Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service and podcast service for today, the 26th of February. Our recording comes live from Drung last week where we were looking at Revelation chapter 19 and verses 6 to 10 and the subject of getting ready for the most amazing wedding ever, how Christians are to be getting ready for that uh, that lies ahead of us. And I'm going to hand over to that service now. There's a baptism in the service as well. A little Sophia Fannin was baptized, um, so you can listen to that as well. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll hand you over to that service now. Well, good morning. A very warm welcome to Drung Church this morning for our special service of uh, morning prayer with baptism. It's great to welcome uh, Sophia and her family here this morning. And we'll be baptizing Sophia later on in the service uh, we're sorry that Marianne can't be with us this morning. We're praying for her. We'll be praying for her later on in the service as well. We're continuing uh, looking at the book of Revelation together as a church family. And uh, we've been seeing that God is in control and reigning. And this opening hymn encourages us to praise God that he is reigning. If you look at that second verse, praise to the Lord above all things so wondrously reigning. So as we remain standing, let's sing together, praise to the Lord, number 365.
Well, please do be seated. And uh, a reminder, it's an all-age service, so the children are staying in, and you're very welcome here, uh, whatever age you are. And uh, even if you make a little bit of noise, you're very welcome. It always sounds noisier to the parents than it does to anyone else. So if you're a parent, please don't worry. Uh, be reassured. And um, We're very glad to have you here this morning. We're going to have our first Bible reading that you can see inside the service sheet or in the Bibles, Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 to 9. And children, I'd like you to listen out for what the Lord is going to do. Uh, what will he wipe away? There's something promised here for God's people, what God will do. It's a wonderful reading, Isaiah 25, verses 6 to 9. What will God wipe away? On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, what did God say he would wipe away? Did you listen? Did you hear it? Yep. He'd wipe away all their tears. He'd wipe away tears from all faces. It's a wonderful picture of what lies ahead for God's people. A little bit later on in the service, we're going to be thinking about getting dressed. Uh, getting dressed God's way. And if you listen to these words from Colossians chapter 3, we're told how to get dressed. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Well, I wonder how you've got dressed uh, this week. I can see what you look like on the outside, but only God can see the inside, what's going on in our hearts, and whether we've got dressed in God's way. And for all of us, we fall short. There'll be times we've slipped up, not lived God's way, not got dressed his way. And we're going to say sorry to God using the all-age confession on page one of the service card. So uh, let me read the introduction. Please do join in the words in bold, Lord, we are sorry. God, our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins, for turning away from you and ignoring your will for our lives. Lord, we are sorry for behaving just as we wish without thinking of you. Lord, we are sorry for failing you by what we do and think and say. Lord, we are sorry for letting ourselves be drawn away from you by temptations in the world about us. Lord, we are sorry for living as if we were ashamed to belong to your Son. Lord, we are sorry. Also in Colossians we hear that Jesus cancelled the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside 
nailing it to the cross. And because uh, Jesus has died for us, I can pray with confidence, may the Father forgive us by the death of his Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit all our days. Amen. Well, I'm going to head down to the, the back there to the font. We'll leave the camera here, but I'll have the microphone, so you should be able to still hear me if you're online. And uh, we're, we're just if you want to turn around and face this way, you'll get a better view of what's happening. Uh, if you've got your service card there, we're, we're just going to think a little bit uh, about what baptism is and why we're baptizing Sophia this morning. Um, so we're told here on the, on the service card, our Lord Jesus Christ has told us that to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must be born again of water and the Spirit, and has given us baptism as the sign and seal of this new birth. Now, the question is, what does that mean? Uh, I brought along with me a little prop this morning that might help us think about what it means. Here it is. Do you remember when Cavan beat Donegal? Uh, this is a shirt from that day, and maybe you want Sophia to grow up supporting Cavan, I don't know, but maybe you'd like her to grow up supporting Cavan, and maybe, this looks enormous, doesn't it, but maybe one day she'll grow into it, and she'd be able to, to wear something like that and support Cavan. Well, baptism is a, a bit like that, and it's a sign that we want to follow Jesus, we want to go his way, that as a family we want to follow him, and you know, God gives signs. Here's a sign for Cavan, the directions as to how you get to Cavan. And in the Old Testament, God gave his people a sign that promised they'd be his people. He gave them a sign called circumcision, and that sign involved a bit of cutting of the flesh, and it was a sign that our uncleanness needed to be cut off. It was a sign that parents were devoting their children to God, and they were claiming God's promise for their children. The sign involved the shedding of blood and it pointed forward to a sacrifice that was needed for our forgiveness. But it wasn't only a sign, as we saw in that little introduction, it was a seal. Now I've got here a picture of a, an old-fashioned envelope with a, a little bit of wax on it. And on this, there would have been the stamp, maybe from a signet ring, uh, that would have shown the authority of the person who sent it. And they were saying, I promise whatever's in that letter will be true for you. And this was how this promise that God made worked as a seal. God said to the people of Abraham, I will promise to be your God if you trust me like Abraham. God made a sign, circumcision, and a seal. Now, in the New Testament, we get a new sign. Anyone know what's happening in this picture? Anyone done this this morning? Ha has no one done this this morning? You have. Great. We've got one clean person here on the outside. Uh, a, a shower. We wash our dirt and sweat away. And in the New Testament, we get a new sign of baptism, of our sins being washed away. There's no longer any need for blood to be shed because Jesus' blood was shed for us. And so we have a sign of being washed clean. And it's given to, to people who believe in Jesus and to their children. To those who say, uh, a bit like you might wear a cavern shirt to say you support cavern. Uh, it's a sign to say we want to support and follow Jesus and be part of his church. And it acts a bit like a seal. Here's the promise that God makes to Sophia today. He says, when you trust in Jesus, all the promises of forgiveness 
and new life will be yours. So that's why we're going to baptise uh, Sophia today as a, as a promise from God of forgiveness for those who trust in Jesus, as a sign that uh, Stephen and Miriam want to devote their most precious gift to God. They want her to grow up following him. So on page two of the service cards, you'll see holy baptism is administered to infants on the understanding that they'll be brought up in the fellowship of Christ church, that they'll be taught the Christian faith, and that when they've publicly confessed this faith, they will be confirmed by the bishop and admitted to the Holy Communion. So there's a question for you all. Please respond in the words in bold. With the help of God, we will. Faith is the gift of God to his people. In baptism, we're trusting the Lord to help Sophia to grow into faith in Christ. People of God, will you welcome her and help her to grow up in Christ? With the help of God, we will. Now, parents and godparents, today we're trusting God to help Sophia grow into faith in Christ. As a local church, we'll do our best to help her, but you need to do your part. Will you pray for her, bring her to church regularly with you, and help her to know and trust our Lord Jesus as she grows up? And now, uh, parents and godparents, uh, there's the decision for you that you need to respond in the words in bold. <clears throat> Our Lord Jesus Christ calls us out of darkness into his marvellous light. To follow Christ means dying to sin and rising to new life with him. Therefore, I ask, do you reject the devil and all proud rebellion against God? Do you renounce the deceit and corruption of evil? Do you repent of the sins that separate us from God and neighbour? Do you turn to Christ as Saviour? Do you submit to Christ as Lord? Do you come to Christ the way, the truth and the life? Well, together, let us all affirm our faith with those who are being baptised, our common faith in Jesus Christ. So do you believe and trust in God the Father, the source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? I believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Son, who took our human nature, died for us, and rose again? I believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit, who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? I believe and trust in him. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, now's the moment when I get to uh, baptise Sophia. We have some water here. Unfortunately, my microphone got knocked off at this point, so I'll hand you back over to the service when we car carried on with the prayers. And we're going to t continue in prayer on page five of the service card. We're going to join in the words of the Lord's Prayer together. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, who has graciously opened for us sinners a way into your presence, we come to you grateful for your favour and mercy. We thank you for all the gifts of your love, 
but especially for your unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. On this Sunday, may we have such a revealing of your love as shall flood our hearts, unveil the cross to us, and may we see your heart with its marvellous love for a lost world. May your word have new meaning for us today as we read it or listen to it. May our minds be open to understand it, and may your Holy Spirit guide us into the truth. May this be to us a day for the strengthening of our faith, for the deepening of our love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray today for Sophia. Thank you that she's received the sign of baptism. We pray that you'll give wisdom and courage to her parents and godparents as they seek to fulfill their duties of bringing her to church, teaching her to pray and teaching her your word. Help them to set Sophia a godly example. And we pray that Sophia will grow up desiring to follow the Lord Jesus herself and in time will come to be confirmed and serve you with her life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we continue to pray for the countries of Turkey and Syria following the devastating earthquake. Please comfort those who've lost loved ones. We pray for children who have been left as orphans, for parents who've lost their children. Please comfort them with the peace that only you can give. Please help those who've been made homeless and please bring healing to those who are injured. We thank you for all that has been given to help and ask that the funds will reach the right places swiftly. Please be near to the brokenhearted, and among the tragedy, may they find you to be their rock and refuge. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, as we remember, this is the time now of a, about a year since the invasion of Ukraine. We thank you you've helped them to withstand so far, and we ask in your mercy you'd give victory to Ukraine, that you would drive out the Russian forces. Please provide the people of Ukraine with all that they need. Please would you change the heart of Putin and others, that they would repent of their wickedness and pull out of invading Ukraine. We thank you for all those pastors and churches that are doing wonderful work to support people still in Ukraine. And please bless them as they hand out food and blankets and Bibles and pray in this difficult time many would trust in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for any who are unwell at the moment and remember this morning Leon Briardy, Olive Simmons, Lucy Roberts, David Riley, Maria Turner, Sally Robbins, Marion Gray, Phil Casey, Evelyn Kelleher, Chloe Fannin, and in a moment of quiet, any others known personally to us. Lord, you have promised your people, fear not, for I'm with you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. May each person suffering know you with them. And we pray for your healing for those who are unwell, and for your grace to be sufficient for each one. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We remember those who are grieving, and we continue to pray for the family and friends of Abby McDill, of Derek Fleming, and of Roy Ormiston. And in a moment of quiet, any others who we know are grieving at the moment. Lord Jesus Christ, you wept at the tomb of Lazarus. You understand our grief. Please draw near to those who are grieving. Help them to see you through their tears 
to find hope that through your resurrection you have defeated death and to know your peace that passes understanding. Please provide them with all the loving support that they need at this time. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We close our prayers by joining together in the collect for today, which is on the front of the service sheet. At beginning, Almighty Father, together we pray. Almighty Father, whose Son was revealed in majesty before he suffered death upon the cross, give us grace to perceive his glory, that we may be strengthened to suffer with him and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, who is alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'd like to look up there, we're going to sing. Uh, We're going to sing of what Jesus has done for us, the reason why God can swallow up death forever, as we heard in our first reading, is that Jesus has destroyed it. So Dorothy's going to come and help us to sing this song, Jesus, When You Died. And if you're able, please do stand. Uh, Let's sing together. seated for our second Bible reading and you can see this one inside the service sheets Revelation 19 verses 6 to 10 and what's my question for the children why are God's people to rejoice why are God's people to rejoice according to this reading listen out and see if you can spot what it is that we're told to rejoice about 
Revelation 19, verses 6 to 10. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, what were the reasons given as to why we should rejoice? Any ideas? What was it? Yep. The, the wedding ahead of the lamb and his bride. Yep. Anything else? Yes. The, the Lord reigns. This is good news. This is great news. We're going to think more about that in just a moment. But first of all, we're going to sing um, how deep the Father's love for us. How can we know that God loves us? Well, he gave his son for us. Let's stand and sing how deep the Father's love for us.
But this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. Well, please do be seated. And let's uh, pray as we turn back to that reading from Revelation 19. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love so deep that you would give your only Son to make a wretch your treasure. Please help us to see more clearly your love for us and to understand what it means for us. In Jesus' name, amen. How long does it take to get ready for a wedding? Uh, I asked a few people that this week and uh, one of the answers I got, well, is it a man or a woman? Because of course the, the man, well, we might, we might have a shower, or a shave and stick on the suit and, and that's about it. But the woman, it takes a little bit longer for, uh, I think, what about if you're the bride or the groom? What about then? Do you know, uh, uh, there's a man called Alan Comfort, who I, I know uh, from England. He, was, uh, he used to be a professional footballer. He played for Leighton Orient, and he then became a clergyman, um, and uh, that's how I came across him. But uh, he, he was due to get married, and his wedding, well, he thought he'd set it outside of the football season so that, you know, it wouldn't, that wouldn't get interfered with, that the two things wouldn't interrupt each other. Uh, and uh, so he set the date for June. You know, that should be safe outside of the football season. Um, but that was the year of the Hillsborough disaster. And so everything got shifted back a little bit. And his team did well, and they ended up in the, in the playoff, I think, against Wrexham. And so his, his football game got put back to the same day as his wedding. What would he do? Well, of course, he rearranged the wedding. They did a little bit later on in the day, and the football a bit earlier on in the day, and he managed to do the two. He played his football game in London in the morning, got a helicopter to Northern Ireland, where the wedding was for the afternoon, and to make matters worse, the, the house he was staying in didn't have any cold water, so he had to have a boiling hot bath, uh, and so he was sweating when he came to the wedding, uh, and I think he managed to trap his finger in the car door as well, so he was bleeding when he got to the wedding. That's how he got ready for his wedding. But, well, others, the bride in particular, well, it takes a lot longer, doesn't it? Maybe there's a, a wedding planner uh, that a bride might have. This one starts 12 months beforehand. Dorothy and I were only engaged for three months, so we, we would come in somewhere down here. Uh, but you need to choose the venue. You need to choose the food. You need to choose the photographer, the flowers, the car. There's so much to do to get ready for the big day. And as you're getting ready for that big day, well, two things are constantly happening. The bride and the groom, they're constantly excited and they're also constantly busy. The wedding is on their mind all of the time and every day is a day closer to that wedding. I'm sure there's a little bit of panic from time to time, but on the whole, on the whole, it's joy, isn't it, as they look forward to that day coming. Well, do you know, if you're a Christian, whether you're married or single, you have the best wedding ahead of you. Sometimes we forget that marriage isn't actually something we made up. It's not something made up by man, but it's God's idea. It's God's gift. Well, not only to provide joy and stability and security and companionship, but also as an illustration to us to help us to understand his love for us. God gave us marriage to show us his commitment to his people. Now, human marriage always falls short of this perfect standard. But think of the best marriage that you know of. Maybe you saw the Late Late Show uh, last week when there was the, 
the competition for the most romantic couple, a couple of Vera and John, and they were in their sixth decade of marriage, still very much in love and out and doing things together. Well, God says that's a shadow of his commitment to his people. God is like the bride, so we've got our wedding planner there, but we could flip it around and say, well, actually, the wedding is all about Christ and the church, God's commitment to his bride. And now, in a sense, is the time of engagement. Now is the time of looking forward to the wedding, of waiting, of thinking how good it will be when we get to go to be with God, when we move in with him, in a sense, to the new heavens and the new earth, and we'll get there in Revelation 21 when there'll be no more sadness or sorrow or sickness, no more death, as we heard about in our first reading. And our first reading told us that it's a time of waiting. Isaiah 25 told us they've waited for him. We've waited that he might save us. And as we wait for that day, just as the bride and the groom, they get ready, they've got their wedding planner, just as they get ready, well, so Christians need to get ready for our wedding between Christ and the church. How do we get ready? Well, we get ready, first of all, by rejoicing. The first way we get ready is by rejoicing. Uh, And we see that in verse 6. Have a look down at chapter 19, verse 6. We're told, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. What a great noise there was. What a celebration. The closest I've been to this, and make sure you hear me, I'm talking about the noise, not the joy, because I'm talking about rugby here rather than my wedding, that the greatest noise that I've heard and this level of uh, excitement was at a rugby game, South Africa v Japan in 2015. Uh, And it was the Rugby World Cup and everyone knew, well, Japan, they couldn't win. They're the underdogs. There's no way they could win. And so as we got to the closing minutes and Japan were within a few points of South Africa, everyone, the anticipation was high. And actually, they were only three points behind South Africa. And they were awarded a penalty. If they kicked it, they could draw. That's a great result for Japan to draw against the mighty Springboks. But twice they said no to the penalty and they went for the try. And you can imagine when that try was scored, the whole stadium erupted. I think it started to move as people jumped up and down and hugged one another and shouted and punched the air. And even the Japanese, who are not the most emotional people, they don't show it, their emotion, there were tears running down their faces. Such joy. And it's just a shadow of what's happening here in Revelation 19. A great multitude, their voice, the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. What is this joy all about? Well, the joy is because God reigns. Do you see in verse 6, the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. The joy is there because God reigns. Why is that such good news, that God reigns? Because so often other things seem to reign, don't they? Sometimes it seems that war is reigning or that natural disasters are reigning, or that cancer is reigning, or muscular dystrophy is reigning, or or criminals, or drugs, or something else is reigning. But here we're told, the Lord God, or the Almighty, reigns. 
Why would that have been such good news in the first century when John was writing this? Well, remember, he's locked up in prison in Patmos. Many Christians in the first century, it looked like Rome was the one reigning as they were thrown in prison or, 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 or worse, put to death. And so here's a message for John in prison. No, the Lord God, the Almighty reigns. For Christians today in Eritrea, where they're locked in shipping containers, about 160 of them, they reckon, that the Lord our God reigns is very good news, isn't it? It's a relief to know that the Lord God reigns. Why is that such good news? Well, because it means that for God's people, the best is yet to come. He's not forgotten us. By this point in Revelation, we've seen judgment has come on the nations that have rejected him. Babylon has fallen, but the suffering for God's people is over and the great wedding lies ahead for God's people. This should lift our heads and give us a spring in our step as we, work, as we walk to, to know that the best is, is ahead of us, that one day suffering will be over and we will be with the Lord forever. That's why the crowd tell us to rejoice. In verse 7, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Engaged couples are constantly thinking about their wedding. They're thinking all the time about it and it should be the same for us as Christians. Every day thinking how wonderful it will be to be with the Lord in a place of no more suffering or pain. All the sadness gone. Uh, maybe every day as you wake up in the morning, you could say, thank you, God, that today is a day closer to me going to be with you or you returning. Every day is a day closer. This is good news. The best is still to come. So the first way we're to get ready is by rejoicing. Then secondly, this passage tells us to get ready by getting dressed. To get ready by getting dressed. How long does it take for a bride to pick her dress and then to get it fitted? How much does it cost? In here, I've got a, a picture of the most expensive wedding dress, I think, ever. Here it is. It's from Malaysia. It's called the Nightingale of Kuala Lumpur. Ah, that's, it's a Malaysian one, that's why it's red. Any ideas how much this might cost? Yeah, a hundred. <laughs> I'd be buying it at a hundred. Do you know it's got 751 diamonds in it? Just to give you a clue. Uh, yeah, Lucy, you had your hand up. How much? Two thousand five. I'd be buying it for that as well with all those diamonds. Aaron, ten thousand six hundred. Even more. Yep, a million. Even more. Aaron. A billion, not quite. It was 30 million. Can you believe that? Not even the wealthiest cabin farmer would be able to buy that, I don't think. It's a crazy price for a, a, a wedding dress. But it's nothing compared to what Jesus gives his bride to wear. Do you see in verse 8, what, what are we told in verse 8? It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Where does this clothing come from for the bride of Christ? Well, do you notice it's given to her? It's granted to her. She cannot pay. Like this wedding dress that's too expensive, the, the clothes that Jesus gives his people to wear are too expensive for us to buy. 
Jesus is described here as the Lamb. And he's described as the Lamb because he's the one who laid down his life so that we can be set free and clothed in his righteousness. The book of 1 Peter tells us that we were ransomed not with perishable things like gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus. All the wealth in the world is worth nothing compared to this. The only clothes that will make you ready for the new creation is what Jesus gives you, being clothed in his righteousness. So we're to get ready by getting dressed. But what does this mean, to get ready by getting dressed? Well, when Dorothy and I got married, um, she'd been very careful with her money and she had savings. I'd been very reckless with mine and I had debt. Do you know the most wonderful thing happened when we got married? She took my debt and I took her savings. It was a wonderful exchange. It was so wonderful, so lovely, so romantic. She took my debt and I took her savings. And do you know that's just a tiny picture of what Jesus has done for us? That he takes our debt, the record of our sin, all the times we've not loved God as we should. He takes that himself and he gives us his righteousness. He clothes us in his right standing. It's a bit like uh, this dress here. Imagine, imagine you turned up to your wedding wearing something like that. This dress covered in, in dirt, in muck. But Jesus takes that for us and instead clothes us in his righteousness. He clothes us in his perfection, covers us with what he did in this lifetime, his perfection. And when you see what he's done for you, you want to wear the clothes that he gives you. When you see his compassion, you want to put on compassion. When you see his generosity, it, it moves you from being greedy to being generous. When you see his patience, how patient he's been with you, well, it makes you want to be patient with others. Well, we, we don't get it perfect, but doesn't it help when you see how patient he's been with you? It's worth asking this morning, isn't it? Have you let Jesus clothe you? Have you let him take your debt so that he can cover you with his righteousness. What, what a bargain. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you come to Jesus, let him take your sin and give you his righteousness? And if you've done that, well, do you see, you can enjoy this fourth blessed statement in the book of Revelation. Remember, we've seen the seven blessed statements in the book of Revelation. And the fourth one is here in verse 9. It says, blessed or happy are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited, who've got the invitation. If you've come to Jesus, you've got the invitation to, to the new heavens and the new earth. It's yours. In fact, it, it says you're, you're called. You're called to this marriage supper of the Lamb. You have the invitation to this place that Isaiah described as being a place of feasting and celebration and no more sorrow or sickness or death. Death gone forever. How wonderful it will be. If you know that you will have eternity with the Lord, well then you can get through this life, can't you? This life is so short compared to eternity. Sometimes it's hard to believe that this is really true. And I think the angel knows that. And that's why he says in the next, the next bit of verse 9, he, he said to me, these are the true words of God. 
this is really going to happen, John. This isn't just make-believe. It's not just something to make you, help you get through life. This is true, the angel says. This is really going to happen. And when John hears that, he's tempted. Well, in fact, he does bow down to worship the angel. He's so overwhelmed. You see verse 10? Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. It'll be a bit like if you were sick or a loved one was sick and you heard a medicine was available and, and a messenger came and told you, there's a medicine that will help. You'd be tempted to bow down and worship that person. Uh, but the angel says, no, don't do that. I'm, I'm just the messenger. I'm just a servant of God like you. Don't worship me. Worship God. Don't give your worship to anyone except God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. How are we to worship him. Do you see we're told in verse 10, worship God? Sometimes people say, well, I like to worship God by doing such and such. But the question is, is that what God wants? Dorothy, my wife, doesn't like bananas. In fact, she hates bananas. She can't stand the smell of them. She can't stand being anywhere near them. And I know that. Imagine for Valentine's Day, I decide well, I really like bananas, so I'm going to get Dorothy a bunch of bananas. W would that show her my love? No, it would show that I don't listen to her, and it would show that I don't really love her. Well, what about God? What does he say he wants? Worship God. Do you see what's surrounded by that worship of God? On either side of it, the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus. It seems the worship that is pleasing to God is his people bearing witness to Jesus in the power of his spirit. And that is the third and final way for us to get ready for this wonderful wedding, and that is to tell others. Just like a, a couple who are engaged might uh, have a, an engagement party to tell others, they might put a, an announcement in the, in the local paper, they might have a blog that tells everyone about their engagement. So for Christians, we're to get ready by telling others. The engaged couple might say how wonderful their fiancé is and they're so excited about something that at best will last a lifetime and involves marriage to a sinner. But do you know what we have to be excited about? Something that lasts forever, for eternity and is in a place of no sin or sadness or sorrow or sickness. All because of what Jesus has done. Well, isn't that something and someone to talk about? How can we talk about him a little bit more? You tend to talk about what you're excited about, don't you? And so we're back to our first point this morning, that we get ready by rejoicing. The more we realise how good God is, that he reigns, and what he has in store for us, the more likely we are to talk about him. And maybe it might work something like this. You're so pleased that he's in control that when someone comes along to you and says, oh, have you seen the news? It's awful, isn't it? We might be able to say, yes, it is awful. But I'm so glad that Jesus reigns. I'm so glad that Jesus reigns and he's got a good plan for his people. Wouldn't that be a wonderful way to respond to bad news? Or, or maybe, uh, just as people notice us getting dressed, they notice what we're wearing. Sometimes people might compliment you on what you're wearing. People might notice it. Well, so if we've clothed ourselves with compassion and kindness and loving 
we're loving and patient people. People might say, well, how come you're different? What is it that's different? You don't talk about people behind their back. Why is it that you're different? And we might get the opportunity to say, well, do you know what, I'm a, I'm a sinner, but Jesus has taken my sin and he's clothed me in his righteousness. And by his spirit, he's making me more like Jesus day by day. Well, as we close, we've got a wedding to get ready for. We get ready by rejoicing that the Lord reigns. How wonderful it is that he's in control and he'll get us there. We get ready by getting dressed, by letting Jesus take our sin and clothing us in his righteousness. And we get ready by telling others how wonderful Jesus is. Let's pray as we close. Lord Jesus, thank you for this wonderful news. Help us to rejoice that you really are in control and one day, if we're trusting you, we'll be with you forever. Help us to be those that rejoice in this truth, who get dressed by putting on the clothes you've given us to wear and by telling others this wonderful news. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, our final hymn is one that reminds us of what Jesus did. Did you see that first verse? It tells us, from heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And what price did he pay? His own blood. That's how he clothes us. Let's stand and sing the church's one foundation.
church victorious shall be the church at rest. As we remain standing, we'll pray in response to the offertory. I'll say all things come of you, O Lord, and please respond, and of your own have we given you. All things come of you, O Lord, and of your own have we given you. And we close with the words of the grace that you can see on page six of the service card. Let me pray and then we'll join together in this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your help today. Thank you for Sophia. Please look after her and her family. And may she grow up knowing and loving you and claiming those promises made on her behalf today. And now together we pray. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Well, do join us across the road if you can. Thank you to those online. Well, let me just uh, bring you up to date with the announcements for this week. Um, and uh, we've got a prayer meeting this Wednesday at 8.30 uh, in the rectory. Stradone Tots and Toys on Thursday at 10 o'clock. Uh, Teens for Christ and BB on Friday. And then next Sunday, uh, we are back to our usual service times. Um, and our next In Touch will be on the 9th of March. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, we'll hopefully see you soon. God bless. Bye-bye.